0: Welcome to The Ship Show. If you don't know why we call it that, you're about to find out. Jeff Newbarth is your host.
1: Welcome to the Ship Show, part of the Callaway Podcast Network. The ever-growing Callaway Podcast Network, Yes, yeah. A lot of people have been uh, talking about Jason's shitty chef-driven podcast.
0: I know. I got eight a few messages episodes, about it yesterday. Yeah,
1: eight episodes dropped. Uh, we want you to rate, review, and subscribe this podcast along with mm-hmm. that one and email us at shipshowatcallawaygolf.com. That's shipshowatcallawaygolf.com or call us, 760-804-GOLF. We are currently at the Grand Del Mar here doing a ad shoot with Phil Nicholson. So while Phil's yeah. doing uh, some of the hard work... We decided to bother his brother, Tim, who uh, is, is currently Phil's caddy mm-hmm. and uh, former agent and former golf coach at Arizona State. Figured, Lex, you guys can talk Sun Devil yeah, a little bit. Yeah, go
0: Devils. Go
1: Devils. Love it. All right. So um, thanks for taking some time to join us. Um, we actually uh, got some email listener questions for you. Oh, great. Which is, okay. which is crazy. So, so the first question is what's the heaviest the bag has ever been? Is there a spot or a time or whatever where the bag has just been where you're like, well, what is going on here? And does your brother mess with you and try to change the <laughs> weight of it?
2: Well, officially, I've never actually weighed the bag on a heavy day, but I would say the heaviest it's ever been is probably 45 pounds. it's okay.
0: about as much as our cameras. Yeah. yeah.
2: And on an average day, I would say it's 30 to 35. So 45 is obviously when it's rainy uh, and cold.
1: And what's the craziest thing that your brother has ever requested go in the bag for a round of golf? Oh, wow. That is an
2: excellent question. I don't think there's anything abnormal that we've ever had to carry. Uh, I I honestly can't think of anything extra that he makes me carry or abnormal. I mean, there's never been anything I've looked at and said, why are we carrying this? Except for one day I walked in and there was about a dozen Sharpies in the bag. (laughs) Two's enough. Yeah, a but dozen. he signs a lot of autographs
1: after rounds. So. <laughs> he
2: does, so maybe three from now on, but a dozen. now they don't weigh a lot, but no. it still takes up space, but there's never been anything abnormal that I can think of.
1: Right, the other two questions I got is what's one thing about being a PGA Tour caddy that people don't know but should?
2: Uh, I think one thing that most people people assume is that we literally just do the numbers and and read greens but uh, there's a big part of being a psychologist out there for your player every caddy has to be a psychologist for his player to some degree some more so than others you know when your player talks to you how do you respond to him to get the best
1: possible uh, response from your player and then the last one that people emailed me was what is sort of not, not? Uh, I don't want to like Stevie Williams used to go all sort of security guard for Tiger. Yeah. And I always felt that was a little contrived in the sense of where they kind of, you know, Stevie could sense when the mood got to a certain thing and yeah. he was going to make an example out of somebody to kind of calm it down. <laughs> Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you've had to play security guard for, for your brother out there?
2: Anytime we go to a, tournament that has a big crowd, such as Phoenix or a Major, the Ryder Cup, President's Cup, and we get outside of the ropes, I get a little nervous because after, you know, they're usually pretty good before he hits the shot. But after the shot, everyone starts to converge on him. And to me, that's not a comfortable feeling. And so that every time that happens, I'm trying to figure out how do we get him back into play without having... You know, people have the ability to put their hands on him, which you never think something's bad going to happen. But we've seen it in sports in the past, especially tennis, yeah, women's yeah, tennis. A long Cosellas, time ago. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing that always comes in my mind. And so I'm trying to find the way to get him back, you know, safely back in play where we're not having to yeah, worry. There was about things. there was
1: a round. It was before you were on his bag at Tory a couple of years ago. It was on the back side, one of the, the par fours coming back this way. So, with 14 or 15. Okay, yeah. And, and Phil was playing with uh, a guy who used to be on our staff, Ryan Blum. So, mm-hmm. I went out there early, and Ryan asked me, he's like, hey, um, you know, we're playing this. Way. So, we wanted to have one of our photographers get some cool pictures of Ryan and Phil together because he hadn't played with them before. Yeah. So, that, that's something I want to have. So, we made sure I was out there early to make sure we got that. Um, and then Phil hit a ball. It hit kind of the side of the fairway. It took a huge hop and ended up kind of like right by my feet. Okay. So I, I moved out of the way or whatever, and, and, and he and Bones walked over there and kind of assessed the shot or whatever. Then he kind of hit it. They kind of was like, oh, hey. and just kind of kept walking. But I thought it was interesting <laughs> because there are all these people who had this great moment. of like, hey, we're going to pat him on the back. Yeah. I just like, really? I would never think in a billion years that putting your hands on an athlete while they're competing is a good idea. But but people think that way, and they do it Correct. all the time.
2: And if you hit a great shot, like, you know, if he's walking towards you, it's one yeah. thing. Maybe you give a high five a high if five you make eye contact okay. or something. But Yeah when you can surround him yeah. like that now there's no other place you can really surround him maybe if basketball if you go off the court you're right. going to have a people it's just yeah. inevitable but here you can have you can get it so there's so many people around and right. it doesn't really happen a lot but yeah. it, every time we have it I get a little queasy like okay you know, how am mm-hmm. I going to get back safely yeah.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's really interesting because, um, I mean, f- funny enough, my like first experience with a golfer was with Phil when I was like three or four years old when uh match play used to be out in Tucson. And, um, my parents will tell me, and I like, don't have as much of a memory, but like, he, they, he handed me a ball and said like there you go kid and it, it's like I was so close to him I think people have this idea that they just want to be a part yeah. of like what he's doing right and they feel like maybe if they can touch him, it's almost like uh, not this is like really extreme but it's almost like Jesus you know it's like if they can touch him they can be like I was a part of like yeah. what he did there and I like congratulated him and, um, and that way fans tend to be a little bit selfish yeah. right which is unfortunate but that's okay and I think Um, I think it's cool that you have gotten this experience with him, especially at this time in his career to be on his bag and to, like you said, like help him and who better than you to help him through some, like through the mental stuff. And especially in a time where the mental game is a really big focus Mm -hmm. in golf, right? How have you um, been able to really connect with him more like as brothers and then also working together?
2: Well, the tough part is, I'm trying to be a psychologist, but he's the one that has a degree in psychology, not <laughs> me. So I'm working against the grain, so to speak. But I think a lot of what we're doing out there is, uh, you know, when you be, we're not obviously married, but married couples th- can think what the other person or say what the other person is thinking, right? And we've been able to start to do that where I'll start to, you know, there have been 10, 15 times a year that, somebody hits a good drive and we'll say the exact same thing at the exact same time things like that so we think so much alike that Mm -hmm. lots of times when we go and talk about a shot I already know what he's thinking before we've even talked about it out loud yeah and so that helps in our process to do that but a lot of it is when we're just walking down the fairway how do you how can you get their mind off of golf right Mm -hmm. you know so what's going on at that moment whether it's talking about we, d- we tried not to talk about politics, but, you know, sports that are going on. So maybe right now, if we were to be playing a tournament, we'd be talking about the situation with the Patriots and the, yeah. and the filming mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Just anything to talk about anything but golf, because you can't focus on golf for five straight hours when you're out there. Yeah. You know, yes. Yeah, so 30, 40 seconds at a, a time. It's a big
0: misconception for people, I feel like. Because yeah. they, f- they think that, like you're in it that's like your job and they're thinking of it as like they do their Mm -hmm. day job for seven hours or whatever and it's just not the same see I
1: think that that's something that, that amateur golfers don't understand is that people say, oh, golf's about focus and being, you know, like but you're it's it's just like football, it's bursts. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's it's when, when a play is over in football, you're running back to the huddle and yeah, you're still in the game, but you're you're not at game speed, you're not yeah. your your mind is off for a second or two unless you're the quarterback hearing it in, in, in your you know your headset. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're a Patriot and you're just thinking, well what did they film last week and <laughs> yeah. I know what's coming from the other team now. Uh, I'm gonna take lots of shots at them today just because I can uh, but but what what is sort of like uh, the other question is like when you go to a new thing venue, because mm-hmm. uh, you guys have a couple of those on the schedule yeah. this year, versus a venue uh, that you've played, you know, uh, a billion times. You know, we're, we're super excited about Phil's involvement at the Amex Desert Classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Callaway's going to be involved in there. We have mm-hmm. a really cool user experience, which we can't talk about yet, but it's going to be incredible for those of you who are going to be lucky enough to be out there. Awesome. Um, but what's the difference between going to a place like that versus going to a course that you guys have never seen before, uh, you know, whether it's for a WGC or, mm-hmm. or an event overseas you're going to play?
2: The biggest thing for me is just making sure I'm prepared. You know, if you're going to a tournament such as the Amex or any or San Diego, you know, Phil's played it 20, 25 times, mm. that he already knows everything about the course. There's no way I can know more about the course than him. But when right. we go to a, a new venue, I just need to be better prepared so that I can basically as efficiently get him around the golf course or at least make sure he has the understanding and the knowledge of, Here's what driver's going to leave us. Here's what, you know, two iron's going to leave us if we hit two iron. And two iron, you know, fairway's going to be 32 yards wide. And driver's going to be 26 yards wide. Mm So things like that. So is that that. just
1: going out and walking it? Correct. And and, and do you also, do you talk to other caddies maybe who've who've been there before? Do you like to just, do you have a routine of how you're going to prepare your guy for the golf course? Uh,
2: A lot of caddies will take one or two other caddies with them to share in the responsibilities of finding, you know, sprinkler heads and stuff like that. I personally like to put in my AirPods and just go on a four, four and a half hour walk and do it all myself. Um, And for me, that's about as focused as I can get is Mm -hmm. knowing exactly what I'm going to do instead of having somebody else sort of, well, my player is going to do this or what I don't want those distractions. So I personally like to just do it on my own and, it, you know, usually it's going to be a Monday or Tuesday depending on when we get there, and let's say Phil wants to play nine holes on Tuesday in the morning, we'll go play nine holes, and then I'll spend that entire afternoon doing my prep work so that I'm I'm best prepared. So to he's okay to with it.
1: that opening nine, if knowing he you haven't done your, your prep work yet? Yeah, because
2: we know we're going to play the Pro-Am yeah. on Wednesday, and so yeah. he's going to see it then. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, there's only one or two of venues like that. So right. if I have the opportunity to do it before he even plays, great. But if not, then, yeah, he's fine with me doing it after those that first night on Tuesday, let's say.
0: What's it like when he makes changes, like, within his bag as far as equipment goes? Um, like, how does that... Adjust your approach to things. How soon do you find out? Because I think we get a lot of questions about what is actually in players' bags, even though people can look at it online. I know it's changing a lot.
1: Phil's changes all the time. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah.
2: Phil changes, I think, more often than others, but it's not drastic changes. Mm -hmm. It may be a different grind with his 60 Mm -hmm. degree or 64 degree, or it might be... (laughs) He may he has two different two irons we use. Mm-hmm. One's a little bit longer, so it's going to fly five to eight yards further than the other. So they're not drastic changes usually, but he does change a lot uh, when he changes the wedges. For me, it doesn't really change much because it's you know they're still going to go the same distance and things like that. But when he changes the two iron, that's when I need to know
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: because that goes. Because that's going to
0: impact the next. Move. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Are you involved when he does some of these changes? Like uh, is, I think, I think one of the greatest experiences anyone could ever have is be a fly on the wall while Phil Mickelson's club testing.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that would be interesting. It is fun, and when it comes to wedges and grinds, no, because he knows so much more yeah. about wedges
1: and grinds well, than I, I do. Mean, that's and, why the wedge has his name on it. Yeah, correct.
2: But when it comes to prepping for a tournament uh, as to whether or not we're going to use a 5-wood versus the 2-iron or between the 5-wood, 3-wood, and 2-iron, which two will we have in play? There have been times when we've gone without a 3-wood mm-hmm. and had the 5-wood you know, and the 2-iron. There's been times we've gone without, obviously, the other two clubs as well.
1: Yeah, it's always so fascinating to me to kind mm-hmm. of think about it. What's the coolest thing that you've been able to do having the last name Mickelson? <laughs> oh, good question. because because the, the the funniest part of this story was so we were up at at uh, napa yeah and it was monday this yeah this year it was monday and i see you like running around the practice range like like not a little crazy but you you certainly weren't <laughs> in your element and what happened was what like 30 guys missed the connection they were coming from jackson mississippi mm-hmm. through houston to come so tim had to play in the pro am. Oh. So I'm thinking the Monday pro, so I'm thinking to myself like, oh my god, these like th- these four guys get their pro am draw, and they see Mickelson, they're like, Phil's in the Monday pro am, <laughs> and, and then there's Tim on the. My, team. my poor team felt so bad when they got to the, you know, the, the yeah. seventh you hole. Had which like is our seven first hole. clubs or something, right? Uh, so gosh. yeah, I was walking
2: the course Monday doing my prep work before yeah. Phil showed up, and yeah. the the tournament director uh-huh. Matt McAvoy came up yeah. and said, hey, you know. uh do you have this afternoon open? I'm like, oh yeah, totally open. What do you need from me? Thinking he needed a 20 minute, but yeah. he basically said, you know, all these guys missed their connection. Yeah. I can need you play your day. in the pro? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. well, I can play, but I don't have golf shoes. I don't have a glove. Yeah. I don't have golf you clubs. You didn't have a putter at one point. I had you, nothing. You got exactly. So <laughs> Matt basically said, hey, don't worry about it. We'll take yeah. care of it. So yeah. I get to oh my, my cart and I've got eight clubs. Yeah. And no putter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I warned my my group on the first tee, you know, and actually we had a great time. Oh, good. Came nowhere close to winning, but we had a great time. Good, But I think the coolest thing because of the name actually has to do with golf. And in 2010, I had the chance to go play St. Andrews for the first time, and it happened to be two weeks before the British Open was going to be there, the Open Championship, Mm -hmm. as obviously they call it. And we arrived, and A, they allowed us to – Play from the tips. Oh, cool! They don't which is do really that. cool because yeah. two turn you know two weeks before. Yeah. yeah. Now I was scared out of my mind for that though because I had just taken a flight from the U.S. all the way over there. Mm-hmm. There's no range, so there's no warm ups. I right. hadn't touched a club in three weeks. Right. <laughs> now I've got a 150 yard wide fairway, yeah. so it yeah. shouldn't o- have been a big o- deal. Only one person has hit it out of bounds on that. Correct. Fairway. <laughs> but my concern was, what if I chunk it and all of a sudden i leave oh, a yeah. divot on the first tee box yeah. that's going to be used in the open championship oh, in two yeah. weeks yeah. so i teed up a two iron about two inches off the ground and nice. sailed it down the center but then <laughs> nice. after the round uh, also getting to go through the members you know clubhouse there so obviously to be able to go and play where the game started was really cool and yeah. to be able to play those tees with all the you know the the fans, the grandstands, yeah. and the scoreboards up was a really cool yeah, experience. Yeah, that,
1: that, that town is is I've been lucky enough I to be there yeah. a couple so times. Exactly. It's really cool. It's it's there's nothing like it, and um I I just love how I remember last time we were there in 2015. You know we're just walking. We rented a flat right around the corner from the Dune Vegan and you're just walking down the street, and you see you know Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler walking down the yep. street, just going to get dinner and stuff. Because yeah. everyone just stays right there.
0: Yeah, and it's probably a lot less of, like, what you would see in a city, like a U.S. city stop, Mm -hmm. right? Like, people aren't, like, flocking at them. They can walk around, and they're, like, totally normal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think everyone noticed, but everyone just kind of like, oh, it's golf week. Everyone just kind of stay out of the way and let people do their thing and and enjoy the experience. And there's so many cool things in St. Andrews to see, Mm -hmm. whether it's, like, old Tom Morris's grave or um, I like to find a pint or two. (laughs) <laughs> and, they have and they also have scotch.
0: You budget it's in your keto. It's pretty easy to find
1: those pints, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had no trouble. No <laughs> <laughs> trouble None whatsoever. Well, Jeff
0: budgeted for his, um, when he went to Ireland yeah. this, this year, he budgeted for his like Guinness. And I was listening to Phil talk about his coffee this morning. Yeah. We have, we've touched on it like a few times. Do you partake in like the Bulletproof Brain Octane coffee ritual?
2: So I will say that anytime I'm staying with Phil, like at a house for a tournament or whatever, uh, he'll make me. Uh, you know, a cup of the coffee, and I love it. If I'm not staying with them, I'll just do my mm-hmm. typical Starbucks run. And, yeah. you know, and if I'm early, I'll just sit there for 30 minutes and get on the Internet. But uh, I do like the coffee, and I think Phil and Dave is going to do very, very well when it comes yeah. out. I
1: know. I can't wait. So I'm, I'm huge into the Bulletproof coffee. And my problem is today at this shoot, we don't have a lot of time. So the last thing I'm going to do is bring it up or I'll derail everything for like 45 minutes <laughs> Correct. as I learn. <laughs> we want to get out it. of here before yeah. dark. Yeah. So. But, but, but at some point, I need to have the conversation with him about it because I'm doing my own kind of version of it. Okay. And, and I'd rather do the version that, that he's doing because I just think that'd be cool. Because like, like yesterday, uh, we on the podcast earlier this mm-hmm. week, we had Henrik Stenson on. And, and the fun fact is that Henrik, Tiger, and I were all bored in the same year. And the three of us have a lot of combined
0: combined so, combined. So, a lot. So, yeah. yeah. So
1: if I start drinking the same coffee as Phil, some of that's going to rub off. I think so. Yeah. But
2: instead of talking to him about it, why don't you just wait a few months and
1: then buy it in the store? Well, I'm going to. Oh, okay. I'm Perfect. going to. That's that's what, what I'd like to do to. is I'd like to do some kind of promotion on the ship show where maybe ripe right as it comes out, we can give some away to some of our loyal cool. listeners. So I think that's kind of a coach thing. to Well, kind what of was really out.
0: interesting to me was talking to one of the um, ads down on the set because a lot of like film days end up being you know 12, 14 yeah. hour days or yeah. whatever. And the director was saying that a lot of female directors push for, like, a 10-hour day that has no break, no lunch, or whatever, so they can go home and be with their family. So something like that that, like, fills you all day ends up actually being really perfect for these kinds of crews. I didn't
1: didn't bring lunch. I had my coffee this morning, and I'm good till dinner.
0: I didn't bring lunch either, but I brought extra protein. Uh,
1: Well, don't worry. They have a a whole (laughs) big lunch set up. All right, a couple more questions. We're here with Kim Mickelson as we're kind of wrapping up the ship show. Uh, Only a couple more episodes for us before we take a little holiday break, so that's kind of Literally, like, two. That's why I said a couple. Yeah that's a couple. All right. <laughs> okay. What is what is one goal a, a, as you guys start to look at at 2020? What is what is something that when you and Phil have that private moment that you're allowed to share with us uh, of like, hey, this is something that that we should accomplish this year. Let's let's work towards this.
2: Well, certainly a goal is to get back in the top 10 in the world. First, we got to get back in the top 50, which, you know, for such a long time. Yeah, forever. Um obviously we just slipped out, but get back inside there early in the year, so have a good couple early tournaments. And then get back in the top ten, and certainly the ultimate would be to be able to win the the U.S. Open at Wingfoot. And yeah, that's and that's where I was going to go to next. So, yeah.
1: um, you know, we we are starting to have our Fox production calls on that, and um, you know, that's the story, right? Yeah. Turning fifty, Wingfoot, career achievement of the U.S. Open. There isn't a better script that that can be written. Last How, year was pretty good. Last too. year would have been pretty good. Winning, yeah, it would have been pretty good. But but fifty at Wingfoot. That that that's that's something out of a movie. How how do you prevent it from becoming like almost too much pressure or too much hype or whatever? Or or are you and Phil just so isolated in that thing that it just doesn't matter what everyone else is saying.
2: Well, I think he's been around so long out here that he's been able to sort of drown that out and not think about it. You know, for a long time he had to live with the best player to not win a major, yeah, um and now this obviously to win the Grand Slam. So. Obviously it's going to come up as to what happened last time and he'll address that I'm sure early in the week. And then we just got to get down to business and focus on hitting fairways and greens, you know, and that's the big thing is we got to hit fairways and greens and put ourselves in the right spots. And that'll be my job that week is making sure we know where we can and cannot miss it both off the tee and, and into the greens where we can get up and down, um, but like any U.S. Open,
1: you know, we just got to find a way to hit the fairway at all costs. So will you, will you go to that one a little bit earlier to try to check that out? Because they have changed it quite a bit since yeah. uh, the last time that, that the tour has played there. Correct. So I was there it was only maybe two or three years ago, the USJ okay. four
2: ball. So I was able to play it. But back yeah. then I was still coaching. So yeah. I wasn't even thinking
1: about from a caddy standpoint. Yeah, because Gil, Gil redid the greens. Uh, okay. In certain places, and I know he he's either softened some areas mm-hmm. and the, and I think just some general maintenance, right? When you yeah. when you have bunkers that that get that much play because so Correct. many members in those bunkers, Correct. the build up you get around, I think he kind of shar- sharpened that up. Yeah, I've heard from people it's it's spectacular. Yeah, and that the East Course is already you know they're already obviously no one's going to play it. Uh, it's going to be very mm-hmm. limited play. But what, will you go like super early for that when you're on the East Coast?
2: So we'll find. I'll, he usually tries to find a couple days. Yeah, you know whether it's two weeks before, four weeks before, where we can. Um, basically, figure out exactly how we plan to play the course. You know, there will be times when we did this um, last year at, at Bethpage. There was one or two holes when we went two weeks early, where we hit sixteen tee shots. Yeah, you know, nobody wow. was out there, so we yeah. had all the time in the world and sixteen tee shots, and five with driver, and five with three wood, and five or six with two iron, and figured out what we felt comfortable with. So yeah. that was going to be the game plan. So I'm sure we'll do something like that again. Um, I may even go just on my own separately from when we go for two days just to be able to get more
1: numbers and uh, get better familiarized with the the greens. Yeah, I remember at Marion, I was there. So so the day that Phil came to Marion – Uh, He was there a couple days, was also golf's longest day with sectional qualifying. So uh, we started off in Orlando in the studio. Then we had this idea to take Gary Williams and and Damon Hack. And we got on a plane as soon as we got off the air and flew to Philly and then ended the show at midnight with Kelly Tillman up up there at Marion. Uh, And Phil was out there that day. Rory was out there and Phil was out there. And on the 10th hole, similar experience. Him and Mm -hmm. Pels were sitting there having this conversation of what is the exact layup number if you're not going to go for it, correct? like like, do you want to be – and the difference between being 56 yards away and 68 yards away was spin profile and it was a mm-hmm. you know, different hand position of a shot, and to think that that much detail goes into it, is that every week or is that major specific?
2: I would say major specific at this point. Uh, I think maybe earlier in his career when he was thinking about that, he probably put in that much time and effort to every tournament. But, yeah. you know, after being out here 27 years – You know, that's a
1: long time. I've been here your whole life.
0: (laughs) I wasn't going to say it, okay?
1: I wasn't going to say it. Just throwing it out there for you. Yep,
0: you know. What can I say? I can't do anything about that. (laughs) All
1: right. Well, Tim, thanks so much for taking a little time Uh for us. Uh, I think Coach is right. This podcast thing could be in your future. Yeah. Do whatever you guys like. All right. That's Tim Mickelson. If you have questions for him, uh, hit us up, shipshowcallowaygolf.com. We can always just ask him off air and get some responses. Uh, Next week, we will have two shows, Yep. right?
0: Yes, we will have two shows. One with us, I believe, and another, hopefully, in A15 with a special member from Team THP.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, we talked about having uh, one. Of, uh, a couple of their members on, but definitely uh, definitely one, in one, one of their members who's yeah. super emotional guy who was, uh, the hint was uh, he was at last week's granddaddy. <laughs> he was at
0: last week's
1: <laughs> it narrows so. it
0: down to 13.
1: There's it down to 13 people. Well, 13 people. Because mm-hmm. they also have an assistant captain. It could be Correct. JB. But we'd never have JB on this podcast. But Sorry, anyways, JB. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to Ship Show, and we will see you next week.